Thank you, sweetie, Otto Worku said, patting Zahara's hand as she offered him honey. He repeated sweetie again in English and winked at her. She admonished him to lick the stick clean of the remaining crushed honeycomb. Otto Worku, don't waste your energy looking at a woman, she said, teasing him. I'm just eighteen, and you are much too old for me to marry. He laughed at her boldness. My dear, you do make me feel young, but this old man doesn't need a wife. I look at you as if you were a daughter who is caring for me. Otto Worku had spent two weeks in the village. He had insisted on staying in the same gojo with Zahara and her father, instead of with the other sick people in the gojo they had nicknamed the clinic. Zahara had grown familiar, occasionally even cheeky with Otto Worku, which seemed to please him. With Zahara's father, Nathaniel, he was surly and proud, speaking few words. But Zahara saw through the rich man's bravado, saw his weakness, instinctively knew how to care for him, humbling him, without humiliating him. She no longer noticed the sound of his labored breathing, or the occasional conversations with himself emanating from the other side of the mud wall that divided the circular gojo into two half-moons. His noises became just another part of the village, like the shouts of children and the sound of women pouring teff for their sour injera pancakes. During the first week, Nathaniel had prepared teas and pastes, blood and bone meal to restore Otto Worku's strength. At first, the rich man with a prodigious belly had refused to eat anything and vomited up what Zahara insisted he swallow. So she boiled beetle broth to calm his gut and burned fragrant oud to cover the stench of stomach acid that lingered in the floor. By the second week, Otto Worku had been able to keep down a few lentils sopped up with injera, so Nathaniel had given him the red-veined leaf medicine. Today, he felt well enough to walk to the stream to wash his own face. "'My shoes! Where are my shoes?' he mumbled as he groped around the floor just beyond the shaft of light that came through the door. Zahara saw him fumble with the tassels of his imported leather loafers. He started to brush off the coating of dust that dulled their shiny surface, but gave up with a sigh. With Zahara's hand under his armpit, he groaned as he stood up in his dusty, city shoes, balancing his sizable body over his thin legs like a bird. They walked out the gojo door, and he stopped to look around the village. Children ran up to him, dirty hands outstretched. One beer! One beer! They shouted in greeting, jumping with excitement. He had no coins for their request, but he pinched their cheeks with a soft palm, and they ran off squealing and laughing. Old women poured sour teff batter over black griddles to make injera. The smell of charcoal and dried straw mixed with the fragrance of oud and roasting coffee beans. Hawks circled far overhead, and flies lit and landed endlessly. The men and middle-aged women, absent from the village, hidden in the surrounding forests, gathered bright red coffee berries into coarse baskets. Only the reddened eyes of the newly arrived sick, peering out of the clinic gojo, watched Otto Worku as he started to make his slow, unsteady way through the village to the stream. As he splashed water on his unshaven face, he felt the delicious heat of the sun on the top of his balding head. He whistled a tune, and Zahara exclaimed with delight, My father sings that song when we are walking in the forest. He says it is from Haile Selassie's time. Worku laughed a bit self-consciously. Yes, I suppose it is. 
For me, it's from a time when I had a real sweetie, a beautiful woman she was. His words trailed off, and he seemed to look for his past beyond the surface of the water. She waited for him to say more, but Worku only sighed. Zahara stepped into the waist-high plants and reeds growing just upstream, respecting his reverie. Deftly, she picked at flowers, turned over leaves, rubbing them and smelling their fragrance on her fingers. She pinched off leaves to pack into the pockets she had twice re-sewn onto her faded blue dress. She was familiar with the common plants. Her father had taught her their names and uses since she was a child, and she imagined them her companions. She could identify plants as easily as she could identify the rigid, angular letters of the English alphabet.